Welcome to the Steelers Edge online training program featuring Max Zanin with a discussion about which government agencies are targeting auto dealerships and how you can reduce your exposure. Max is the founder of Total Dealer Compliance, a compliance auditing firm dedicated to mitigating the risks that auto dealers face from regulators by creating a culture that will proactively reduce exposure. I'm Mike Bowers with Dealers Edge. For the last couple of years, I've subscribed to a reporting service that keeps me updated on the legal and regulatory entanglements of retail car dealers. Almost none of these cases will make it into the newspapers, but the numbers I see indicate that car dealers, their attorneys, and their insurance companies are spending a ton of time and money on these cases. And when it comes to government regulation and enforcement, it lately seems that auto dealerships have a huge target painted on the rooftop. There are many laws and regulations impacting car dealers. However, today's workshop, we will focus on the top enforcement threats facing most auto retailers today and how you can prepare to adjust to lessen your dealership's exposure. Our presenter today, Max Sanin, will show us how the FTC is cracking down on deceptive advertising and how dealerships can protect against huge fines and bad PR. We'll also learn the finer points regarding used car rules violations and potential enforcement. And thanks to the Consumer Financial Protection Board, fair lending practices are much in the news. We'll learn how to comply with current rules and enforcement. Max will tell us why it's important to have a standard price list of the F&I products offered and a lot more. And for... Excuse me, Max. Yes. Max, it's Mike here. Uh, could we ask a couple questions before we get past uh, advertising? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So the first question is, uh, as a dealer, are we allowed to make the statement that we offer the best deal in our advertising? Quote, the best deal. You know, uh, uh, you, know you, you, you really need to ask your state's dealer association because uh, every state and every municipality is a little different. Uh, for example, in New York, you know, we cannot use the word free in, uh, in our advertising. So, it, again, when it comes to advertising, you know, it has to be transparent, meaning that the customer has to understand that this is a real deal and that he or she will not be, you know, switched into something more expensive or something different when they get to the showroom. Okay, and how about another question on that? area. Uh, I guess this comes under trigger terms. Not unusual to see uh, advertising uh, where, uh, where there is the, the low price, you know, 350 a month for you know, this car, 350 a month, 48 months, uh, and then in the fine print uh, for qualified buyers. Um, how does that stack up? And qualified buyers, when you dig into it, usually means people with perfect credit. But, uh, but even then, it doesn't always work out that way. Well, I guess in the in the, in the name of transparency, you know, we, we have to explain whether it's in the disclosure or in the ad itself, uh, who is going to qualify for that particular uh, payment or that particular interest rate. And mm -hmm. uh, it is understood that it's not for everybody. So, you know, people that work hard and maintain 
uh, a high credit rating obviously qualify for better terms uh, when buying a car or, or buying a house. But, but again, I think we clearly need to specify uh, what is it that qualifies a particular customer for a particular program. On the used car buyer's guide. Okay. Uh, let's see. You mentioned how much the fine is for violations? It is 40. So up until August of this year, the fine was $16,000 per violation. In August of this year, federal government decided to catch up uh, on inflation for the previous 25 years <laughs> in one shot. So somehow they neglected inflation for the last 25 years, and this catch-up equals to now a $40,000 fine per violation. Okay, so that's $40,000. This is violations on the used car buyer's guide, $40,000 per violation, and, and it looks like there can be multiple violations on one, on one deal. Oh, absolutely, because let's say you have 500 cars in stock and 10% of them are missing buyer's guides. Right there, you're looking at $2 okay. million. Dollars. Right, okay. All right, uh, okay, so it's a lot of money and uh, certainly well worth paying attention to the buyer's guide. Payment packing. Uh, we thought that's, uh, that practice went out 20 years ago, uh, but apparently it's making a comeback. How, how is payment packing happening? Um, since most F&I managers uh, work from a menu, how do, how do you pack payments in that case? So, so basically, you know, F&I managers can be really, really creative, you know, and um, if not properly policed internally, they will always find a way uh, to beat the system. Uh, it's, uh, it, it's a common practice to, you know, let's say, tell the customer that, uh, you know, they were approved at tier three. You know, meanwhile, the finance manager has a tier one approval, you know, and um, basically they start including products uh, into the payment without any disclosure. Uh, just again, last year, uh, there were a number of dealerships in uh, five boroughs of New York City that were fined multiple millions of dollars for, for this exact practice, where the customers ended up with uh, ancillary products that they had no idea they purchased. In that case, Max, was, were those dealerships using some sort of menu or were they had just bypassed all that? So, so some dealerships, believe it or not, even though you know this is a 2016, you know some of these dealerships are, are really stuck in the, in the stone age and they were not using a menu, uh, or they some of them were using a menu, but again it was not properly policed. Just because your dealership uses a menu, it doesn't mean that it's being properly used. I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, a lot of our dealers uh, use uh, Maxim Track menu. It's an it's, a, it's an excellent menu system. It's being used, I think, by all Chrysler Nissan dealers across the country. Um, you, can have, you can have your finance manager tell you that, of course, I use this menu, and of course, I present 100% of the products to 100% of the customers 100% of the time. But then you can go into the settings and see how many times that particular finance manager actually printed the menu, and you would be amazed. You know, you can have a finance manager taking 80 turns a month and printing two menus. Okay, all right, so they 
Okay, so it's 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 real dishonesty to to do it that way. All right. It is uh, again, but that's why we encourage dealers to have a compliance officer whose whose sole mission is to to watch for for these types of infractions. All right. Uh, on the uh, topic of sexual harassment, um, it, it, most of these cases, from my understanding, is that the the employee, if there's a problem, will will go to there's there's a somebody in the dealership they're supposed to report these things to, uh, whether that's the general manager or human resources manager or, or the dealer principal. And then that person investigates to see whether, whether there's any, exactly uh, any credibility. Okay. So in those cases is, even if a lawyer's involved is, is innocence a defense? It just didn't happen. Uh, or it didn't happen the way the employee says it happened. Um, uh, is it worth fighting in those cases or not? You know, I'll be honest with you. You, you know, you, in theory, you can fight those cases, but, you know, I am yet to see a positive outcome. And I don't mean a financially positive outcome for the dealer, but a reputational mm -hmm. uh, positive outcome. And and that's why, like I said, you know, most of these cases settle. And uh, a lot of times you're right, you know, a particular person can be absolutely innocent, you know, but again, you have to do whatever it takes to prevent this behavior from happening. And that comes from strict internal HR controls. So for example, in the employee handbook, it should be clearly spelled out who you file a complaint to, who is that person? And you have to have a regular training in order to stress the importance to your organization and to your employees when it comes to sexual harassment or any other HR practice. I mean, we can, we can, use, we can talk about workplace violence or any other type of harassment. It doesn't have to be sexual harassment. But, but again, it comes down to placing importance on this HR uh, internal controls and education. Okay. Uh, all right. I had one other question, but it's escaped me. Uh, yes, that was just a comment. Um, year, years ago, uh, in, in this same vein, uh, I, I was meeting with a, a car dealer, and uh, and he was telling me how his policy for how he settles various claims against them. And he said, he said, I do everything I can to avoid going to court because once we go to court, we lose. Even if we win, we lose. Uh, That's right. The publicity and and the expense of getting into a courtroom. So, uh, so whatever he could do to avoid court, he did. Uh, and uh, uh, and I, and that phrase has always stuck with me. I'd like to also offer special thanks to Max Zanin of Total Dealer Compliance for taking his time today to put the uh, the workshop together uh, and for sharing his expertise and experience. Max, thank you very much. And with that, uh, I'm Mike Bowers for Dealer's Edge. I uh, will be saying goodbye for now. Hope you can join us next time.